Hey, Rimsmith, Bud Elliott back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, we're going to continue on with our preview series, turning our focus to the offense here. Going to start with a little bit of recruiting chatter, some of your kind of quick takes on some of the more recent offers that have been sent out, kind of where you think Florida State stands with kids, and also maybe if there's not a you know larger message to be taken away from some of these offers and when they're going out. Uh, as always, want to thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce, Three Simple Ingredients, One Fantastic Product, and the great people at Tarpon Sellers Wine. You can go to tarponsellers.com, use the coupon code NOLCAST, that's N-O-L-E-C-A-S-T, uh, can be caps or not, and you'll get 20% off a fantastic bottle or bottles of wine. So big thanks to our two title sponsors there, and with that, uh, we'll get into tonight's podcast. Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and do this thing. So I, I wanted to do a segment tonight uh, called uh, the 10 newest FSU offers. And these are the 10 guys they've offered in the last uh, week or so. And just a, a quick rundown. Uh, this is very nerdy, but to be honest, there's not a lot going on at Florida State right now. Um, there is stuff going on this weekend with a jam-packed junior day, uh, but there's not a whole lot of FSU stuff happening at the moment. So I wanted to go over this before we get into our uh, offensive questions spring preview. The first seven or first six of these guys uh, or first seven are going to be uh, Aaron Gates or 2023 prospects rather. Excuse me, Aaron Gates. He's an athlete, uh, potentially you know safety type from Sharpsburg, Georgia. Ingram, where is Sharp? Where is Sharpsburg? <laughs> Sharpsburg. You hit me with one of these uh, before the pod as well. But Sharpsburg is kind of on the edge of the Atlanta metropolis. It's down. Uh, Coweta County, if you're familiar with that, which is south. It's kind of in between Noonan and Peachtree City, which is kind of southwest okay. of Atlanta. If uh, if you guys are new to the show, obviously welcome our YouTube audience. If you're new to the show, uh, we oftentimes play, where is that Georgia County? Uh, because Georgia has about a million counties and Ingram's lived in Georgia for a long time. You know, he's done sales in Georgia, so he's very familiar with the entire, uh, entire state and all of its intricate county network. Uh, so, Anyway, uh, Gates is a Florida commit, has been a Florida commit for quite some time. I, I don't really see any real reason for him to flip right now to FSU. I guess we'll see how that recruitment progresses, but a, a nice player. Next one is Aiden Schuler. He's a Notre Dame commit from New Jersey. Right now, just I'll get to why they're, they're throwing out some of these offers uh, in, in a minute. As of right now, I don't really think you have much of a shot to flip a prospect from New Jersey who is committed to the Irish. Uh, that's a certainly a, a state that Notre Dame recruits fairly well. Third one here is a kid. I, I'm surprised that FSU hasn't offered him earlier. Like this may be a database glitch. And if it is, my apologies, I'll, I'll check with somebody over there in the Moore center. Uh, but Chandavian Bradley is a kid. I remember evaluating uh, as a true freshman or as a, well, no, nobody read shirts in high school. So as a freshman, uh, when I was at the beach uh, with Maggie, when we were working on our 2024 rankings two years ago, like he's been a known commodity. He's like a national top 100 player. Uh, already has a 94 rating. He's a pass rusher from Missouri. Now FSU's had some success in Missouri o- over the years. Uh, Rod Johnson, I think, was probably the last uh, big time kid they landed out of Missouri. Uh, but I would say very little shot on him. Uh, so that brings us to the next prospect, Dakari Nelson. Dakari Nelson is a uh, top 250 player right now uh, on our ratings. He's a safety uh, from Selma, Alabama. My thought here is, if Bama wants him, Bama gets him. 
you know, so we'll see. But there aren't any crystal balls right now for Alabama. And uh, they are kind of, they do a weird thing. They just don't, they don't take a lot of kids early anymore. They basically just sit and evaluate and then say, hey, you're up. <laughs> if you want in, it's good if you can pull it off. Anyway, uh, I do think if, if he's a player, like if he's not a take at Alabama, maybe he's somebody you can form that relationship with, potentially uh, get that victory for. So w- one to maybe monitor there. Uh, another one here, Luke Burgess is an offensive tackle from Indiana. Um, FSU or Tennessee, I think, is probably his best offer, depending on how you feel about those programs right now. Uh, but ultimately, Indiana, that's, uh, that's a good ways out. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see, kind of see what happens there. Uh, here's another one for you. Uh, Stanton Ramil. Here's a kid who appeared like seems to be blowing up. I've not seen him in person, but he's an offensive tackle out of Alabaster, Alabama. He plays for Thompson. That's a, a powerhouse high school there in Alabama. Uh, again, basically the same logic, right? If Bama doesn't, doesn't end up taking him and he's not a take it like a Georgia or something like that. And I'm not sure that's the case. Like he very well could be a take at those schools. You have Auburn, which is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Even though I'm not super high on FSU's recruiting currently, I do feel like they have a decent chance of beating out Auburn for a lot of these guys. If it comes down to FSU and Auburn, given that, well, Auburn literally just tried to fire their head coach. <laughs> so they're not the most stable place in the world right now. Next guy, and the last guy in the 2023 class is an interesting one to me. Sadiq Clements from Hendersonville, Kentucky. I've never heard of this kid. He has very few offers. They're one of the first. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, like, listed at 6'5", 260, okay? His last couple offers that he's been tweeting out were August 18th of 2021, Memphis, right? September 24th, 2021, Indiana, Eastern Michigan on February 10th, and then five days ago, Florida State, tweeting, after a great conversation with Odell Hagens, I'm thankful to receive an offer to go to Florida State University. Now, I don't know if I'm being catfished or not here, because I, I look at the folks following the guy, and there are enough like verified people who I know who are like the director of recruiting for West Virginia and the director of recruiting for Ohio State and like a, a number of people who I know are not fake accounts who are following this guy. But like the initial uh, initial huddle was actually linked to a Sadiq Charles, who Sadiq Charles is, is an offensive tackle in the NFL and was, you know, played for LSU and was a member of the class of 2017. So definitely not the same guy. I found a photo. He's verified. And I got to tell you, like the film is not bad. Now the competition is kind of sketch, I think. Uh, but if he's actually 6'5", 260, and Odell's on him, great. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an early relationship potentially built. And you get him down for a camp type setting, maybe he looks good in a camp. That's a potential expansion of the defensive tackle board, uh, which is something I do believe they need to do. Uh, they're looking good for Hall out of Jacksonville, but this has to be a year they, they knocked the D-tackle position out of the park, particularly because they whiffed on West last year who went to Tennessee. Uh, but hey, like this might be a good find by FSU. I, I actually just found this one today. Huh. All right. Well, interesting. I don't think it's a fake, fake kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then we have three 2024 prospects to discuss. Uh, the first 
being B.J. Gibson. B.J. Gibson is a big-time player, I think, out of Wilcox, uh, Georgia. Ingram, uh, let's play it again. Where is Wilcox, Georgia? So Wilcox is right along kind of the 75 spine there, uh, just to the east of 75. If you guys remember where uh, DJ Lundy came from, I think he's approximately about 20 minutes due north of uh, Lundy there. So just south from, what, probably 45 minutes south of Macon, somewhere in that area. Nice, man. All right. He has the Georgia offer, I believe, so that'll be interesting. Of course, you basically need to treat the state of Georgia, any kid from Georgia, as does he have a Georgia offer? And is it a real Georgia offer? If it is, then kind of got to play the wedding game there. Uh, Maurice Williams. Picked up offers from uh, Texas A&M and Georgia, and evidently he's committed to Tennessee as a baseball prospect. So Gibson is? Pretty dynamic athlete, yeah. There you go. Speaking of dynamic athletes, I believe FSU probably evaluated safeties this week just based on all the offers they sent out to the athlete and safety position. Uh, they offered Maurice Williams out of Pearland, Texas, the number one safety in the entire country uh, for 2024. So probably a smart offer uh, at this point. And then also Tylen Singleton from, is it Manny or Manny, Louisiana? I've never actually heard of, of that part of Louisiana. So hmm. where is that? I don't know. My computer's back and funny. It already crashed one time tonight. I'm not going to uh, not, not going to risk any googling right now. But uh, yeah, so that's your offer list. Your 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 ten kids, and you know a lot of these kids you don't really have a great shot at right now. But you're not signing them right now. And if you think a kid can play for you, uh, you should offer him. Reach out. At least make some contact. Who knows? Maybe your staff knows somebody who knows this kid who can help you and be a valuable resource for you. Maybe they don't. There's no real harm in offering. It's not a bad thing, and you never know what happens. So that's basically why you do it. For what it's worth, Manny's on the Texas border, just south of Shreveport. So, okay, the other side of the state of that, what you are uh, particularly familiar with, at least by way of marriage, anyway. Nice. All right. So, you want to talk about this Chris Parson thing? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Chris Parson, talented uh, quarterback, previously committed to Florida State. Uh, by all accounts, no official decommit unless I've missed something just recently, but a kid who stripped uh, all the social media of Florida State and, you know, kind of your your decommit starter kit. Uh, I would say that it appears as though he's opened. But he did tweet out the I'm not leaving, you know, graphic from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. So <laughs> I I think they've smoothed things over there. I mean, let me ask you, is it unsettling? that the kid you're counting on to be your quarterback would strip all his FSU stuff from his social media because there was a report from Zach Losty in 24-7 that five-star quarterback Dante Moore might visit? Right. It's unsettling that it happened. It's real unsettling for perhaps why it happened. Like a kid that five-star quarterback out of what, Michigan, is coming down with... This is not like an individual visit to Florida State, to my understanding. It's that he's going to be... You know, looking at Florida State with 21 other kids or something like that. Is that how quickly we got to DEFCON 1 or whatever with the recruiting, you know, to probably use a very poorly timed uh, reference there with where we are geopolitically? But I mean, is that is that how we got to stripping all of Florida State from our social media and flirting with the idea of decommitting? That's the stuff. And Parson, look, he's a talented kid. Awesome videos. Anytime you can throw a ball 75 yards and hit something, that's cool. But uh, I'll let you speak on this. Not not a kid that's going to have five stars next to his name anytime soon either. I mean, a, a nice 
prospect, but not a, uh, at least for here and now, not necessarily a, a national recruit at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, look, I think FSU likes Chris Parson a ton. And Chris Parson also likes FSU. And that's good because like scanning his offer list, now he's not actively looking to be recruited by other schools from what I understand. So he's not out there you know, begging for offers and whatnot. But just if you look at his, his offer list, as far as guys who have offered him somewhat recently, Arkansas on January 26th, Tennessee last June. I don't know. To me, this is this should be just much to do about nothing. Uh, right now, I think Parsons is FSU's best option, and I think FSU is Parsons' best option. They like him a ton, like way more than the ratings. They like him a ton. He's Really talented uh, prospect with some wonderful upside. It's just too early to be doing this dance with a three-star quarterback, right? I mean, it, it, it's not ultimately three-star. I'm not uh, well, four-star on a composite, but I mean, from what you've like, done with uh, recently recruiting, I don't think this fan base is is really excited about doing this dance starting in February. So hopefully, it'll get cleared up. All the appropriate memes will be tweeted out, and we'll all feel comfortable moving on down the line. And this is but a bump in the road. All right, uh, not a bump in the road, but a absolute just rock solid. I don't have a great transition here tonight. I don't know why. Like I, I thought I had something there. Sorry, guys, I don't. You, usually they've been pretty good lately, I feel like. But uh, hey, I've used Shannon and Chad twice for my mortgage and my refi. I thought they're great. You know, 300 Noelcast listeners have done the same, and we love them for it. And I want to read to you tonight one, by the way, that I, I wanted to point out. We got this on social media. Also, we did get a question tonight about uh, how does the impending nuclear winter impact football-only facilities? <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Which is fairly solid. Uh, but this is from Brian Post, and he's got a public account, so I feel like I can share this. He said, uh, shout out to Nolcast sponsored Legendary Home Loans. Spoke with Noel Loans, which is Shannon's Twitter account, uh, about getting a refi, and he told me not to. What kind of mortgage company doesn't take your money? An honorable one, that's what. Can't wait to, to get a new house so I can work with Shannon for real. And that's awesome, man. Um, 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. Get a little FSU chat. Get a great rate and an honest assessment of your situation. That says a lot. It says a lot. Shannon's a great guy to work with. And um, I'm certainly not qualified to give you timelines or anything else. But if you look at the broader the broader world and uh, where interest rates are going, I would advise you to do it sooner than later. Uh, if it's something that you've had in the back of your mind for a couple months, Give Shannon a call. Examine the options. Maybe you'll hear the same thing that the uh, the last gentleman that you just referenced there from Twitter uh, had said to him. But I would certainly explore it while rates are as low as they are currently. No doubt, man. All right. So uh, spring questions. Let's go ahead and get into this. We have uh, been going for 20 minutes. About six of that was me rebooting my computer. So uh, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes just shooting the breeze on what we want to learn from spring, maybe what we can't learn. Let's start with, with the QB spot. You actually have a ret- returning uh, starter here, so that's that's encouraging. So you've got a returning starter. Um, I don't know how much you're going to learn from spring when just evaluating Jordan. Um, I think probably you'll, you know, the real object that you're going to want to learn an awful lot about is, is your backup quarterback or one of your backups in Duffy just to get a real feel for what you have there. Uh, but, you know, Jordan certainly still has a ton of work to do, obviously, um, to continue to try to improve where he is from a throwing perspective. Uh, a lot of work to do with these wide receivers and trying to get 
timing down and, and some of the uh, more complicated aspects of the, the game with this new wide receiver core. Uh, I'm not trying to dismiss Jordan, uh, but I don't know that we'll necessarily learn a ton about him. I will have a heavy eye f- focused on Duffy, both for the here and now uh, and the long term, but also if it, if it doesn't look good, then I think you got to really reevaluate what you're doing at the portal and maybe already should have done that. But uh, yeah, you know, where he is is going to give you a, a pretty good feel for how comfortable you are with just rolling into next year with him being a true backup for you. At, absent Jordan turning the corner and becoming like a, a, a legitimately good drop back passer. So not somebody who's making his living on RPO and screens and, and, you know, things that are better on standard downs than they are uh, on passing downs. Absent that happening, which I cannot completely rule that out, but it is, I mean, unlikely at this point, right? This is fourth year in college football. It's possible, but it's just not super likely. He's just not a, a great thrower of the football. Uh, absent that, I, I agree with you. The number one thing we want to learn is just how good is Duffy? If Duffy is really pretty good I like already, which I don't know that he is, but if he is, it's not crazy to me to think you could pass on taking a transfer QB. Yeah, I mean, if you feel just absolutely you know, blown away by it, yeah, I guess so. My baseline uh, level of comfort would certainly include having some kind of quarterback prospect come in uh, just because you know, Jordan is a uh, an injury concern. Certainly, has had right. injury concerns. He's also had some health concerns. You know, I mean, there there's a there's reason to be leery. And I realize that it's a real particular needle that you have to thread and trying to get somebody who knows he's not going to be a starter but feels comfortable, you know, competing for a backup position and taking those snaps when they come. But um, yeah, I guess if Duffy just comes in, blows you off your feet, then maybe you just roll the dice and say, look. If or maybe when something happens with Jordan, this is a guy that we feel comfortable taking snaps for two games or something like that. Because you know, I, I'm a big Jordan fan, but this kid's not going to take 100 percent of your snaps next year. It's almost all but a certainty that he won't. So I mean, yeah, I'm a Jordan accordingly. fan on the field. Yeah, but I have eyes and I have Google. Well, not tonight because my computer was crashing. But normally <laughs> I have Google and Ingram has Google and he can tell how many games that Jordan's miss and. Google won't tell you, but how many practices Jordan misses on the regular? Like he doesn't stay healthy. He takes a long time to recover from ailments and injuries. So it's difficult to uh, to, to count on him like that. But I, I agree with you. I, I think, man, if they could get, now granted, I, th- I still think you'd want to go take somebody, not to take Jordan's spot because I, I don't know how many guys. I think if he's healthy, I think Jordan's pretty good. Like legitimately, is there anybody in the portal FSU actually could get? who you believe would beat out a healthy Jordan Travis? No, I, I don't see it. I, I don't know anybody that Florida State would have a an honest, legitimate... Uh, now, uh, it doesn't matter at this point. If Duffy, or uh, excuse me, if, if Kenny had still been there, I would say that might be a little bit different with some of his relationships. But with where you are in the portal and who you're going to get, uh, no, I don't think anybody at this point is somebody that's going to seriously come in and battles for real number one snaps. Uh, I actually have a lot of questions about running back, if we can shift that. So there are people who will tell you 
and I don't know that I believe him, but it, it's an interesting thought that one of the reasons Corbin went pro was because he thought that that the staff was going to force feed to a Philly this coming year. That may be a crazy conspiracy theory. If there's any truth to that, I've heard it too, man. I mean, I heard it too, and I I gave pushback on it, and the guy said, "Look, it's not what I'm saying should be the case. This is what I'm saying was the perceived." idea as to the situation that camp right yeah so it brings up two questions number one there are two possibilities although they're not necessarily mutually exclusive number one toe philly when healthy is that good number two toe philly is a guy that this staff hyped to important people and they need to feature him to show some signs of progress from the players they actually signed and recruited i mean i know corbin they like they did but he was a, a tra- you know he was a transfer. Toe Philly was definitely one of the guys they pointed to in that class. It was like, hey, like this is a stud. This guy's gonna be really good for us. That that would be a player that they would have talked up uh, on the booster circuit. I'm hoping it's the former and not the latter. If that whole idea is true, and now we're talking into like potential reasons of hypotheticals, which is kind of crazy anyway. Man, if he's at all like Trayshawn Ward is a pretty good back in the ACC. Not great. Like, he's not a guaranteed NFL guy. If Toe Philly can beat him out, that's, they may have something there. If if, if that whole notion is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wild idea. Um, We'll just have to see. I mean, Benson, I know the immediate response has been pretty positive. Kid evidently still has his uh, straight line speed. So uh, we'll be interested to see what he can contribute. Still have some questions around that take, but, uh, you know, doesn't matter at this point. Uh, we should get a pretty good feel. I mean, as to whether or not uh, myself or other people that had a little bit of skepticism of this, I, I think by the end of spring, you know, we won't have all the answers there, but you'll certainly get a feel for where Benson fits in this offense, what his role is, and maybe what he's capable of doing. Uh, DJ Williams is another guy, bud. Sounds like um, that he's in, in decent shape and, relatively ready to contribute, I believe, but I just don't know if Philly is somebody you want to feature. Ward was really a, you know, breakout kid last year of what he gave you. Benson hopefully is able to contribute in some form or fashion. I just don't know, you know, how many, how deep you're really going to get into this backfield and what Williams can contribute, but uh, we'll get a, we'll get a better feel for it in spring. Certainly. Yeah, I would agree with that. Williams was not in shape last year. At this point, this looks like a bad take, a, a portal miss. Now, they, they've had a lot of success in the portal, and I, I don't want to gloss that over. Like Overall, they are definitely net positive in the transfer portal. But not all of them. And so far, he looks like a bad take. Now, he's apparently in better shape. We'll see how that goes. Uh, there was a reason that a lot of schools kicked the tires on him as a recruit, but there's also a reason he left Auburn. Right. And granted, Auburn has Tank Bigsby and they have, um, oh shoot, the other kid who, was, who, who spelled Bigsby this year and, and played very well. So it's understandable that he got beat out. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm not saying I'm high on this backfield, but I'm, I'm intrigued by this backfield. Of all the positions, this could be the one that I'll, that I, I makes me think like, oh, wait a second. Like they're really, really damn good here. Not like, you know, top five in the country, good, but but one of the better running back rooms in the ACC. If the Toe Philly hype is real, right, and if they hit on one of Benson or Williams, 
I think is kind of what that formula to me looks like. That that's how they shoot that gap. Interesting. And running back room is is really curious to me, and probably where I'll have my eyes as as locked in as I will uh, on any of this side of the ball. But if it's not running back, it will be the group that we're about to talk uh, about: wide receivers, tight ends, pass catchers. If you want to label them as such, uh, obviously you had the massive. Uh, injection of talent, at least that as a Florida State fan, is hopefully the way that you view it. Uh, with all the transfer kids, seems to be an opinion that Winston Wright's kind of your immediate number one. Uh, you would want Spring to confirm that, in my opinion, if you're a Florida State uh, fan. will be fascinating to see how this kid fits in. I mean, great uh, kickoff return guy. has a I think took one to the house against Baylor uh, a couple years ago and then took another one to the house against I forgot who that was against. Doesn't matter. Not great piece of competition, but a guy who definitely gives you the ability to provide tools that you haven't otherwise seen in the return game. And uh, just a guy who's, you know, probably your number one featured wide receiver from the, from the time that he steps on campus. If, uh, if college production means anything at all. I I completely agree with that. Um, I think this offense needs Winston Wright to be the number one guy. If not, I mean, Look, there's all kinds of potential variants here. So who knows? Maybe it's Pittman. Kind of doubt it. Maybe it's Wilson. Very much doubt it. Maybe it's Span. In 2022, I doubt it. But I think that if they if they want this thing to work, they need Winston Wright to be your best guy. He's certainly the most proven and has done it at a, at a high level. And then here's the second question I have for you. Because I, you, you have a pretty intriguing one, obviously, with, with another young dude. How many of the other transfer receivers are as good or better than Ontario Wilson? Because if at least one of them are, then I feel like that's pretty solid. Because if Ontario Wilson is your four, like if if one transfer plus Winston Wright plus maybe a Malik McLean, if they're all over Wilson coming out of spring, that's that's not that bad. Like then you then you have flipped the room. Despite the fact, you know, I had guys on staff be like, hey, I don't know if we take the first two if we knew we were going to get the last two, meaning right and span. If Ontario Wilson's your number three, okay, it doesn't mean you have a great number one and number two because you don't. But that's not a terrible college three. He's a very experienced player. So I could see some upside. And this kind of goes with what we talked about last week with the projection metrics. Love this defense. Love it. I think they're overselling the defense slightly, but they might be underselling the offense somewhat as well. Uh, and if they are underselling it, to me, that's part of how it happened. And yet there's another guy I think you, you're intrigued by uh, who's been putting up some serious squat rack numbers. <laughs> so Joshua Burrell, a guy that I'm really curious to see what Springs tells us about him. Uh, if you go back and watch the Notre Dame game, I'm not going to say the offense is built around him. That's a ridiculous thing to say, but he's he's really highly featured, and it's really curious some of the things that they're trying to do with him in some of those sets. I know Kenny Dillingham, big believer, Joshua Burrell, and I'm I'm not suggesting that Mike Norvell is not. I, I think he is, but I do think it's you know anytime the offensive coordinator is dead set on you being part of what he's trying to build around, that really helps. I'll be fascinated to see where he is, both in his recovery and how they tried to use him uh, in the offense. I think he's got a big role. Uh, I think he is one of the guys that they've brought in 
who they think, uh, you know, there's still some decent upside with and developing, finding kind of that H-back hybrid role wherever it is in the offense. Uh, but really curious to see where Burrell is from a physical standpoint and what they're trying to do with him in the spring. I, just his strength, man. It, it makes me think, like, I'm not really high on these tight ends, as we'll discuss in a minute, uh, or, well, maybe several minutes. I agree with you. Like, well, if he can be a plus blocker, we, we saw McLean uh, block fairly well at times last year uh, also. So you may have something there. We'll, we'll see. Like, this is kind of what, what makes spring fun. Figuring out what you have. Maybe this guy flashes a different skill that you haven't seen before or flashes a skill at a different level uh, than you have previously seen. And, and then you you put that into your your plan. Like, wait a second. Okay, he showed me some of this. Let's Let's try to refine that a little more over the summer and see what he can bring to fall camp. I'm, I'm intrigued. They will so, not have the worst receiver group in the ACC this year. I'm, I'm confident about that. Nice. I'm not sure who's going to be worse yet, but th- this will not be the worst one. Uh, I'm just I'm going to go out on the limb already and say it will not be about 14 out of 14. 11 of 14. Yeah, something like that. One area where uh, they may not be dead last, but they're not uh, too far from it, unfortunately, is the tight end position. I mean, Cam McDonald's a, an entity that certainly everybody that's uh, 35 minutes into a podcast like this is probably pretty familiar with if you're that emotionally invested. Cam's a nice player, certainly had some nice moments at Florida State, but it's not, you know, still still work to be done there and uh, things that could be improved upon. You gave some pretty interesting scholarships in retrospect at this position. Preston Daniel, Wyatt Rector, while Rector is featured more prominently than Daniel, uh, have a hard time labeling either of those Daniel scholarships. Daniel got a lot of snaps too. As a great decision. Well, you know what I mean? Like He did. I'd say, yeah, Rector maybe in his snaps a little bit more featured, but you're right. Uh, to the point. So two guys that probably aren't scholarship level players that have featured prominently and uh, certainly admire both of them. And a lot of hard work has gone into getting where they are. I'm not taking that from them, but uh, if you're Florida State, you certainly hope to have a little bit of a different tight end looking room at this point. And uh, you're adding some interesting guys, you know, Courtney, the kid out of Virginia that Everybody was so featured or, or fascinated with Jackson West in his second year uh, prospect at Alabama that I know uh, some people thought might be a little bit better player than what his recruiting bio looked like. Marcus and Douglas is a kid all the time that we talk about that they're fe- fairly high on, but snaps have never really matched that. So big damn question mark when it comes to the tight ends, bud. And anything that spring can help me answer that question mark uh, would be wonderful. But this is a it's a little bit of a perplexing unit uh, when when you really try to evaluate where you are from a position group. Yeah, the uh, adjusted yards per target for Cam McDonald of 6.1 uh, is not good. Uh, and he's also not a good blocker. He's also your best tight end and by a lot. Think about what I just said. Receiving production is not anything special. Blocking is not a plus. He's your best tight end by far. They really need one of Jackson West or Marcus and Douglas to emerge a year earlier than expected, right? West, in my mind, was kind of a sit to, you know, year three guy, maybe. They need him to to be able to be the number two tight end this year, I believe. Or for their hype of of Marcus and Douglas to be, like, actually translate to some snaps on the field. Like, that. that's why I have a hard time buying into that because I got guys in the staff that are telling me, hey, like, he's really good. Like, he's going to be a special player. 
your room sucks so bad. You really can't put him out there for some snaps. Like this is what, what are we now? You had Wilson last year, uh, in fairness, right? So putting Douglas out there would have required, um, basically you know, as your third tight end. And he's very much growing. He's a raw player. So may, maybe I'm wrong to, uh, to doubt could be, I want to see on the field a little bit, something there. Because I don't think Courtney and Powers are guys who are, are going to make it make an early impact for you. Like they're actually nice developmental pieces, I think, just based on what I've seen of them at, at, on their huddle. But if this room is going to improve, I, I don't all of a sudden see like think that Preston Daniel or Wyatt Rector are going to play much better than they already have. To me, it's it's one of the two second year guys taking a bigger step than I anticipate and playing as like a third year level player. Which is possible, I guess. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, at the risk of redundant, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this. Just a ton of bodies here. You've obviously allocated scholarships to the situation. It would be great for, you know, somebody to uh, really assert themselves as that second option behind Cam McDonald and potentially, you know, put a foothold in for making this their position for the next uh, two or three years to come. But a place that you're going to have to continue to try to, recruit yourself out of at the same time you've got a hell of a lot of numbers on the board already already allocated to the position so uh interesting to see how they try to manage that all right uh let's go offensive line here i got one question for you and it's very similar to my winston wright question except i'm, I'm going to ask it more emphatically Caden lyle's your starting center right it better be yeah i mean i i don't see anybody that's uh yeah i i don't see the payoff for having him go anywhere other than center at that point. I mean, Maury Smith, that by the end of the year, it was you know, painfully obvious that that kid, uh, not knocking him, hard worker, probably suffered from some, in, or from some injuries, but like you were, you were getting physically dominated at the center position at a level that you just can't have happen as an offense. And your center can't consistently be three and a half yards into your, uh, you know, your offensive set almost immediately from the point of attack. So, um, yeah, Caden Lyles, you went out, got him. Nice little pickup win. Uh, certainly weren't the only school that was trying to get him. And uh, I think you've got to immediately put him in, put him at the C position and know that absent injury, that kid's going to take 95% of your snaps at that position. Yeah, like I, I physically he looks the part. Athletically, I want to see it still, but I'm, I'm encouraged. Next question I have, is there any chance that one of these four guys gives you something this year as opposed to uh, next year? And you put these four on the list. So Lloyd Willis, the developmental offensive tackle prospect, kind of have, we have some questions about how, how focused he is consistently on improving. Uh, Rod Orr, second-year guy, uh, redshirted last year. Bryson Estes, interior offensive line prospect, uh, who is also a second-year guy. Uh, and then, obviously, Herring, who's uh, Zane Herring is in his third year. What do you think? Like, if you had to answer this question, are you answering it in the affirmative? I think the guy most ready to contribute or perhaps likely to contribute from this list immediately is Estes, actually. Uh, we'll have to see if that's the case. I mean, I, I really... I'm almost judging this position kind of like what we talked about, some of the defensive line uh, position that you don't have to have it be immediately ready. 
But if you're going to be a contributor, if you're being developed and kind of brought along in that process, then normally you can see some flashes of it. You can see some glimpses during spring that that's taken place. And are any of these guys kind of in that positive development cycle that you would need to see from them? We'll see. We'll see. I, I do think that, uh, you know, you got to probably hit on two of these guys. And if you're, you know, just going to plug any of them immediately have to uh, plug any of them into a lineup, you're probably in trouble. But uh, at least at this point in time, I think Estes is probably the closest to uh, contributing from the four. Uh, here's another one for you. What does Plus Harris look like? I'm, I'm interested on that. Mm-hmm. No. No. Transfer from Lamar. Big kid, athletic. It's Lamar, so the step up in competition is, is pretty severe. Can he lock down a spot as your swing tackle? If so, I, th- I think you feel pretty good about the take. And then my last question here, does somebody step up to push for a starting spot between Marie Smith and Schrader? Now, obviously, we just got done talking about Marie Smith, so it's unlikely that that he will, I think, unless Lyles... Like, if Marie Smith is seriously contender, contending for a starting spot, we could probably agree it's because Lyles is not as good as, as we hoped. I think, like, is it possible that Marie Smith make that big of a jump in just one year, given his frame? I- I'm skeptical of that. Thomas Schrader, though, is a guy they liked a lot when they signed, and if not for injury, I think would have probably played last year. But the injury was was real, and and you know the frame doesn't look amazing right now. Although he's made progress, we'll, we'll see how, how how good he looks when he gets out there. Uh, but that's that's another one I'm be watching closely. Schrader, I was concerned when I've seen him in person. Now, look, the guy may just not be Zeus. You know, you don't necessarily need that for every offensive lineman or not every offensive lineman's going to blow you away when you see him in the hallway or something like that. But um, yeah, I think that injury was significant in his del- development cycle. And we'll just have to see uh, if either of these two guys starts. Uh, I'm guessing it's Schrader and part of me kind of hoping for it. But, you know, maybe that's unfair on Maurice and maybe he was dealing with more challenges than we were aware of last year. But uh, I just, you know, what you saw of Smith was kind of kind of going to be in the back of your head until you see him go out on the field and play in a manner that uh, otherwise is not, you know, getting getting pushed around pretty heavily at the point of attack. Awesome, man. Well, uh, 45 minutes almost on the nose. We'll, we'll shave a few off for when the computer crashed. Anything else we need to hit tonight? That's uh, that's all that I can think about for now. Um, you know, if you guys have any questions about personnel that we didn't cover, or anything that uh, that we didn't hit in either of this the offensive preview or the defensive preview, please feel free to uh, fire away. As Bud said, we are very much in the uh, the time of the schedule where we can just about get to almost anything that's legitimate. And if we miss something, or if you guys have a question about how somebody could. Uh, you know, be used or what spring may tell us about it, please fire away. But otherwise, but I think this has been the offensive preview and uh, we'll try to get it up to people so they can have it as soon as possible. And we'll continue to uh, march towards the spring game. Yes, sir. All right, bud. Uh, we'll see you next time. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.